Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. We are the podcast that's getting you over the advantage line of the hottest topics of Australian rugby or something like that. Um, I'm Rugby Reg. Welcome back for another week. I think it's been a couple of weeks since our last pod, but there is rugby going on and the Reds are undefeated. So why not get together and have a chat? And look, if we sound a little bit different this week, it's because we're trying something new. We are Zooming each other. So for the, I think for the first time ever, we can actually see each other's faces while we do this podcast, which is quite off-putting. Um, but here we are, Matt. How are you, mate? You got a lovely home there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's the choice of the millennial, the Zoom, mate, which is obviously why you and I are using it. Um, now, mate, you do look, you look to be on some sort of super yacht there. Yeah, I was going to say. The, uh, yeah. yeah reception out there. Yeah, <sighs> lights of the harbour behind you. It's actually delightful. Is uh, that... I'd managed to dodge this for so many years, the <laughs> amount of money I've made out of this website. And it's all come <laughs> crashing down around me. Just with, I've been undone by Zoom. Yeah, I think you've spilt some prawn cocktail just on your collar there. But uh, hang, on, hang on, let me just get the staff. Manuel, <laughs> it is amazing how much money there is in free content ad- advertising, free websites, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It just it rains. It absolutely rains. A, I can tell amazing. you. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that well, other can... voice, obviously, is Hugh Cavill. Hugh, how are you, mate? With yes, your... Red. Coming as and, you can and... see from the bedroom of my one-bedroom apartment in Alexandria. <laughs> Um, I've wheeled a chair in here and, um, just for some back support. I'm normally just lying sprawled on the bed to record this as I do. Um, yeah, that's a, that's probably a visual that nobody needed. But um, yeah. Oh, he has the most professional looking microphone. He actually it's looks amazing. like Alan Jones. It's amazing. Yeah. Yes, JB, JB Hi-Fi is $40. And that's, that's yeah, that's the... Um, Unfortunately, I did, you know, not subsidised by the side at all. I might say out of my own pocket. <laughs> we, have to, we have to depreciate that asset over the next few yes. years. If Samson uh, makers of this particular moment want to reach out for a sponsorship, <laughs> by all means. It looks like it comes from the forties. You look like a forties crooner, mate. That's what it looks like. Yes, well, yes, well. Dulcet Hitler, is, Hitler is on the march. I can tell you about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, we do have five burning questions. And this is another new for us, a new uh, first time for a long time. But I think all five questions actually relate purely to on-field um, rugby. No. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's happened for a while. So this will be interesting. We'll see how we go here. Um, yeah, I know. So the first question is, uh, are you enjoying rugby being back? Question two is the Reds versus Rebels. That draw, was that uh, a deserved result? Question three, how'd you rate the force return? Good to see them back. How was that for you? Question next, I've lost count, was uh, what's your take on the law chances? We've had a couple of uh, weeks of it now. What's your take? What do you like? What do you don't? And finally, I guess in relation to Hugh's cracking piece today on the site, is what do you look for in a commentator? Um, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit better, but there's a fantastic article called Green and Gold Rugby at the moment written by Hugh with his take on the Fox crew. But first and foremost, it's a couple of weeks in. Um, how good is it to have rugby back here? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. It's great. Um, you know, the, the quality has been a bit up and down, but it's just fantastic seeing rugby back and from re-familiarising ourselves with, with, with the great players that, that were there before the shutdown. You know, some of those young Reds blokes, the guys in the past coming through, great to see the force back. But it's just nice to have it back in, back in our lives and have something to talk about 
online with friends, wherever about who played well, who played badly. It's just nice to have. You know? It's better than talking about boards and, you know, leaks to the Australian and pay negotiations and all that sort of ugly stuff that it's not really much fun at the end of the day. It's nice just to talk about the footy for once. So, so yeah, it's great to have it back. And, Matt, what about your viewing habits? Have they changed? Are you, uh, you, did you get two games to City this week? Did you get, get to any of them? Uh, no, no, it was a bit, mate. No, we, yeah, we don't go out in weather like that. Well, you know, as Waratah supporters, we don't go out. So, um, as, <laughs> as everybody knows, but, um, look, I had, and what I saw a bit of one of them live. I'm, I'm, I've got to say I'm easing back into it. Reg is probably the best way to describe my fandom. Um, it's, you know, one step at a time, but I have watched the um, KO mini version of at least of, of two of the matches to kind of bring, kind of bring me up to speed. Um, I, look, it is good. I've I got to admit, like you said, it's great to know that something's going on the weekend that you can kind of delve into, even if you're not going to sit down and watch it back to back. Unlike I know a lot of the, the, the readers on the site are getting um, straight back into it. And it is good to see that young talent. Um, I just think it's kind of, I think it's going to grow on me a bit though. Do you know what I mean? I think I need to ease my way back into the competition and, because I don't know, it's it's just all a bit up in the air still as well for some reason. It just feels a bit, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, disconnected a little bit. Yeah, we said that in the last pod a couple of weeks ago before the competition started that it still felt very temporary. And I guess a couple of weeks in, ostensibly it's great to watch rugby games, but the competition still feels a little bit. Yeah, we're filling a gap until next year, and it's it's great. We've got some content, and the the guys can play some ball, and it's getting them ready for. Four Bledisloe matches, I guess, but it's um, bigger picture stuff. Eh, it, it's hard to see um, where it's going, but uh, I'm loving rugby, and I, you know, I haven't missed the Reds, and um, and I, yeah, I got to watch the Waratahs Force as well. So yeah, yeah, look, I, 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 it's rugby, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a break from what else we're dealing with, so it's uh, pretty damn good. And I, I, uh, you know, I haven't got into the league, haven't got into the AFL, so other than watching the England West Indies Test match. Uh, in cricket, it's it's the first bit of rugby, first bit of sport I've had for a while, so it's I'm loving it. Do you want to talk about the West Indies? <laughs> I was going to say, wow, <laughs> that's, that's your new rugby Sorry. substitute. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Pom's getting, losing. I watch that. That's yeah, all, exactly. That's yeah, I'm getting I'm getting Will McDougall. We're going to start a, a different podcast and, and uh, <laughs> on cricket. Um, all right, well, let's get stuck into it. That first game of the round, and the second burning question was uh, was that a deserved right result? Interesting one. This 18 all. It was 18 all at the end of full time. We saw our first bit of not extra time, super time as they call it, which was five minutes each way, um, which I think we can all agree was pretty damn dire. But Hugh, from a result perspective, what do you, you think of this one? I thought probably the Reds were probably lucky to sneak the draw there. I mean, considering the late try was what, what it was in that 78th minute, um, as good a try as it was probably the high point of the game. But mm. um, the Rebels seemed to manage the, the wet weather a little bit better. Um, it never really rose to great heights. Well, I thought the second half picked up a bit and and um, the players sort of got into it and there was some skillful rugby on show. Um, and I thought the Rebels probably probably were the more unlucky of the two teams, given given that they had that lead until, you know, that, that last sort of couple of minutes. And they held the lead for, for I think, the best part of the game. So um, a bit unlucky there. I thought Matt would tends to manage those conditions well as a 5-8. I don't think he had a brilliant game, but he's kicking... It tends to tends to be pretty good. James O'Connor still finding finding his way in this competition. It seems like he he's he's one of the ones a little bit off the pace, but 
um, the Reds forward pack stepped up. Their scrum was great as as it always is, and 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 yeah, look, super time was yeah was pretty dire. But well, I think we'll get to that in a later question. I, I've got some hard opinions on that. But, um, yeah, okay, well, it will we'll flag that. Later, hold but, um, I don't know, Rich. How did you feel as a Reds fan about it? Oh, it was a hard watch. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think we deserve to win. I think we got away with that one big time, despite only drawing. Um, it's interesting. I came away from that game similar with James O'Connor and thinking he hadn't... Uh, our back line's not clicking. You know, we're not getting much of our, our attack. I think that's a little bit Bryce Hegarty's not on top of his game at fullback. Um, you know, Hamish Stewart's I'm a massive fan of, and he's, I think he's played really well. Creatively, he doesn't create much, although he put Hunter Plasami through a nice gap. O'Connor came up with three big plays, and in fact, massive plays. The first was that huge hit on the try line, um, which might have been on Matt Phillip or someone, one of the big Rebels guys, but a massive hit. Basically, stopped him his tracks and we got the turnover ball, or maybe it was even held up, but it was a, a huge play early on. He put Filippo Dagunu over for the try with a lovely wide, potentially forward pass. Um, but then he, he was the one that made that, that break for that last-minute try as well. He, he saw the vision outside, offloaded to Fawaya Sortier, and, and then Alex Murphy, obviously, um, support line up the middle too. So, look, he can produce those big plays, but uh, I'm concerned our back line's not creating much itself. Forward pack's pretty damn good, you know. Um, we rely on a heavy scrum. Uh, our line-out's pretty dire, and we don't have a lot of lock depth to go elsewhere, unfortunately. Um, but our back rows, fantastic. I'm loving the work of Liam Wright, Fraser McWright and Harry Wilson. So good combinations there. But I, I agree with you. The Rebels were structured. I thought they played really well. And, and um, you know, they've got a bit more depth to play with. And, and I still don't know what their best team is. You know, Hodge didn't start, which is quite significant for them. But, you know, they, they were the better team and they'd be pretty disappointed not to get that, That's particularly with, a, I guess, it's a ostensibly a home game. Matt, what was the KO take on this one? Yeah, I was going to say, like, the, I guess it was just enough stuff to almost fill up a, a KO mini. But then they kind of obviously heavied a little bit on that last 10 minutes, <laughs> yes. in which nothing happened. No. So it, it, I must have, it was one of those games, because I, I did see a lot of the socials and people were just going, oh my God, that was a dirge. Um, yeah. And like I say, in the KO minis, it was kind of like just enough. I, I, are we get, I, you know, that, that's obviously like one of the advertising contracts we've got. I keep saying that the brand name. But anyway, the streaming service that I was using uh, to catch up on the highlights, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, there seemed to be almost yeah, almost just enough. My take from that was I thought the the better play probably came from the Reds. Like you know, you had Billy Meeks intercept. Yeah, I felt that the yeah. Reds were a little bit more creative at least. Um, they were kind of doing that. I felt that the from what I could see in the highlights, like the Rebels were just probably a little bit more fragmented, and clearly the the Reds had the uh, you know had, were absolutely dominant at the scrum by the by the looks of things. Um, mm. So yeah, look, you, you wonder you. you out of that, I didn't get the feeling that the Rebels are going to have a drastically different season. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think there's still challenges there as a team, as a culture, whatever. They're not clicking as a unit, but um, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they progress. Well, well let's go on to the next game. Um, Waratah's force. Force back. Um, Waratah's got the win. The, uh, I think the force were up at halftime, but, and, and anything could have happened. I think a lot of the Waratah's fans online were... Um, death right in the Tars at that stage. But as it, as it was, they came back, worked their way back in and scored, I don't know, 14, 17 points in a row 
um, and, and got the win. Hugh, what was your take on that one? Was that, I mean, I guess, good to see the force back. Oh, it was, it was absolutely fantastic to see the force back. It's the story of the round for me. Um, you know, these blokes have been punching and scrapping away over in the West for the past couple of years and, and um, you know, now back in, back in Super Rugby, back in, in the fold with Rugby Australia, whether they like it or not. Um, some of the fans probably don't. But um, I, I thought their performance in the first sort of 50, 60 minutes was just outstanding. And, and probably to be expected that that fall away in the last 20, as, as the, those combinations were really new, they've just shipped in Ian Pryor and John O'Lance um, and, and some of their other players too. Those guys coming off the bench probably don't quite have the class that the Waratahs did off the bench, bringing on, you know, Waratahs brought on guys like Carmichael Hunt, Jack Dempsey, these guys. And they Three Wallabies, probably, yeah, yeah. You know, um, probably made the difference in the, in the end um, in that, that last 20 minutes when the Waratahs really got on top and pulled away. Um, but you know what? I, I think both teams should have their heads held high because the Waratahs um, were faced with a, a fired-up Western Force outfit and they did really well to stay patient. Um, and that try just before half-time was really crucial. I think it was Angus Bell who got it mm. after a good pass from Ned Hannigan. Um, and that really was a big, big moment for them. I think that was a, a turning point in the game, if you will. They went into the sheds thinking, okay, well, we can do this. And... Um, and we've weathered the storm. And uh, as, it, as it was, they pulled away in that second half. And, and the young guys really, you know, stood up in, in what was a physical contest. Um, and, and the force blokes, same, likewise, you know, they, they had so much to prove. Um, I think they felt they had so much to prove. And, and they did. That, that first 60 minutes was, was, would have taken it to any of the Australian sides. Um, you know, guys like Fergus Lee Warner in, in the second row, uh, I thought uh, standard, um, the number eight was just outstanding. Mm. Um, and, you know, I thought Ian Pryor and Lance, that, 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 that lack of combination told in the second half. I think there was a bit of rust there. Mm. Um, and, and in some of the, some of the backline play as well. But Jack McGregor at fullback was good too. Um, so there's a lot to build on there. And I think the other teams might be looking at them, you know, a little bit worried because I think the force might take a few scalps. They're not going to be that easy beat fifth place team that some might have thought. So, so, yeah, I, I think a lot of positives out of that game. I, I found it, you know, it, it never rose to any great heights. I think they're probably the two worst teams in the competition. But yeah, yeah. I don't think the margin's that great to, to between those fifth and fourth teams and then the top three. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, we might get to this week. I guess, you know, they the Reds are hosting the Force this week and they're a bit of a bogey side of ours. I'm a little bit worried. I, I was one of the ones. I don't think the... I don't think the force would win a game. I think I still feel that way, um, although I am nervous about this week uh, as much because how the Reds are playing as anything else. Um, plenty of ex-Reds in that force team. They know them well. Van Humphreys coaches over there. He'll be looking to roll some Reds possibly this weekend as well. Um, I actually, uh, you know, like you say, some good ones there. Uh, Tevin Ferris, I'm a big fan of. Um, John, I thought John Lance played well. The first half is 10. I thought he controlled the game well, got his back line moving forward, and maybe I was just comparing that with uh, James O'Connor at the Reds and his inability to do that. Um, but again, the Tars, loving some of the young guys. I, look, I know Gus Bell caught a bit of flack for his scrummaging. I, you know, he got found out in a couple of big ones. Longbottom, I think, got him once, and when Greg Holmes came on, probably got the better of him. But I thought he played really well. Love his work around the pack. Harry Johnson-Holmes, oh, absolute gun as a tight head. Again, that set piece isn't at its best, but he's, he's a workaholic. Hooper's a freak. We just have to say that. Um, but Jack Maddox at fullback's looking beautiful. 
And then James Ram. Who's he? James Ram. That's my takeaway. I was going to say. Yeah. Watch out. Watch out yeah. for James Ram. I'll tell you what. He is good. Yeah, he is. He is. And he can kick. He's got a big boot. Yeah. Well, like, but, but the player you missed was actually, well, I don't think any of you guys have mentioned, he did stick out to me. And he's got a bit of, he's been getting a bit of profile. Is that uh, Lockie Swinton? Lockie Swinton, yeah, yeah. Y- you know, so because you, I, mean, I know you don't want to mention any com- competition to that Reds back row, Reg. Uh, you, you <laughs> Is there any them, competition to that you Reds can, you, you can see them all in goal already. I know that. But um, yeah, like, yeah, I, I thought uh, he had a really good game. Um, you know, was abrasive. I actually thought he kind of, I think he stood out a bit, actually. Um, he was either putting massive hits on or I think he got a couple as well. But, you know, he puts himself about and um, making, making quite a bit of an impact there. So, yeah, I think he stood out now. And it's, it's just great to see that, that, that many back, young back row options kind of coming through. He's an angry man, Lockie Swinton, too. And I, I want to see a picture of him before isolation because I'm sure he's twice the size. You know, he's mm-hmm. a big lad anyway, but he looks, yeah. he looks big. Um, Hey, can we talk 10s for a second before we get on the next question? Um, you know, it's one of the talking points for the Wallabies. No Foley, no Cooper, um, no Liliofano. You know, we've got the two veterans in O'Connor and, um, and uh, Tamura. I guess you can chuck John O'Lance in there. He'll be eligible. And then you've got these couple of youngsters in Lalesio and, and Harrison. Have, any early thoughts, Hugh, in which way, you know, you, you think... Who would you pick for the Wallaby 10 if you had to pick one this week? Well, it sort of depends on a range of factors. I know Nick on that dropped kickoff pod with, with the guys on there went through and ranked it in, in pretty good detail. Um, and, and you could make arguments for, for putting it any, any way you want with the four of them. I mean, with my, my issue is if we were playing Fiji or um, a, a team, you know, like that, Samoa, you know, a sort of traditional warm-up fixture, I'd have no hesitation putting... A guy like uh, Lolesio in, I think he's the outstanding young ten at the moment. Um, but if we're going into a Bledisloe one against the All Blacks, I think it's got to be one of O'Connor and Tamua. Um, I think you're playing that easy ten well, frankly. Um, I said that mm. earlier in the season, and I still stand by it. I think they're both classy international players with experience. Um, you know, if you've got Nick White at 10, coming back to play nine, then probably Tamua makes sense at ten. O'Connor at twelve, um, but you know, I, I could see it either way. But I'd like to see Lolesio and, and Harrison as well potentially look to, look to be around the squad and have some game time. I called on the forum this week for, or made the point that I'd love to see Australia A or, or a sort of yeah. barbarians or something, some opportunity for those guys to get a shot against the New Zealand Maori or, or whoever, like a Pacific Islands team, um, to give those guys a bit of experience. Because I don't think... If the only test matches we're going to be playing this year against the All Blacks, we have four Bledisloes or whatever, I'm not sure that's the right environment to throw some of these guys in. Maybe I think it probably is for Harry Wilson. Um, but a young 10 like Lolesio, it's probably not the best avenue yet. So give him a, let him cut his teeth on, on, on the Maori or something like that. But that. That makes more sense to me as a development pathway than, than throwing him into a Bledisloe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good point. And, uh, you know, we discussed it a bit on the forum and, you know, you might just end up picking a bit more conservatively for the test this year with those, those old timers. But Harris, uh, Lalesia is playing really well and he's got great structures at the Braves. Harrison's something special. I, here's me going grand, but I reckon he's potentially the best fly half of Edson Liner. Um, from a composed playmaking perspective, Sorry, and, and I mean that from a, a you know Larkin's brilliant, but he wasn't you know through the system of fly half. So 
as a fly half, Larkham's one of the best we've ever had. But as a fly half, developing, controlling through the system, um, I, I just think Harrison's superb. And it, it'd be wrong for him to play test footy too early now. He's not ready for it. But the way he, his composure, the way he reads the game, the way he attempts to c- control the game is exceptional. But he needs more footy, and it's just a shame he's not going to get it. The, you know, him leading the NRC would be fantastic. You think about what's happening over in the UK and these young guys who get to play with these veterans over there and this week-in, week-out tough footy. We just miss that and the, these young, the chance for these young guys to sort of get that on a weekly basis um, in this current model just isn't there, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I like that idea you got there, Hugh, then like, um, yeah, having the Barbarian side or Australia A or whatever it is. Um, that's great. And it's a great opportunity for one of them to, to shine, right? You know, they have a breakout game and suddenly, you know, against a few, you know, a few more veterans or whatever else. I think that's a great idea. Well, yeah. if you're RA, aren't you? You're thinking you've got to be doing something like that because for the rest of the year, Wallabies are playing, and okay, so what are you going to let these guys, all these super players you got on contract, go back to club? I don't know. Like, just play makeup fixtures, play possibles, be probables, or some state of origin series, or some just make up games and see if you can get you know 10,000 people or however many you can be with restrictions or whatever it is. Just products, just put it out there. Let these blokes play because you know, this is the year you just. Why not chuck it in? I don't know. Well, they had those a few years ago, didn't they? They had like whole um, sort of... Uh, yeah, there was a whole... You know, whole yeah. New Zealand Maori played Samoa, Fiji. Yeah. Or Tonga. It was I remember great. going to the SFS and watching Tamana Tahu just carve yeah. Tonga to shreds. Yeah, and everyone demanded his call up to the Wallabies. I know. And we got it. <laughs> it was a golden era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? Oh, yeah, that... <laughs> South Africa in Bloemfontein yeah. or something, eh? It was yeah. <laughs> um, um, great call. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be good to see. All right, well, let's put that on the list for our next discussion with Rugby Australia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Speaking our demands. <laughs> a list of demands. <laughs> um, speaking about Rugby Australia, let's, let's talk law changes, law variations as they were. Um, there's a fair few. We sort of preempted them in the last podcast, had a bit of a chat about what we thought that was early days. Two weeks in now, we've seen them. Um, Matt, your early impressions, anything that you like, you don't like? Um, well, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I walked away not going, well, sorry, yeah, I didn't walk away going, oh, bloody hell, they've stuffed it. You know, the whole thing's fallen apart. You know, you kind of went, oh, yeah, that's a game of rugby like I'm kind of used to watching and to be honest with you it's usually you know it's probably more breakdown variations and stuff like that that stuff the game more than anything else mm. um so most of those things that they've done whether it's the dropouts or whatever else I kind of thought yeah okay I think the whole I mean, we were talking about this um you know just a little while ago is that I think that 50 22 I think people will figure out oh that's actually <laughs> that's easier than I thought <laughs> you mm. know is it and, it and it can make a massive difference I mean suddenly mm. you go from that sort of midfield what do we do to line out in someone's 22. I mean, that's a, that's a big, big turnaround. Um, so, you know, I think that, that could be interesting. And I, I, my sense was from the weekend, you saw a few light bulbs pop above people to go, wow, that's quite a momentum shifter um, that you can pick up there. Um, and uh, yeah, with the right people, you can do that. And then I guess the other big one, which um, I think I'll open up to Hugh, because uh, <laughs> it sounds like you've got a strong opinion on this one, Hugh, is, is obviously the um, how to make the kissing your sister go for longer. Uh, just, just a second. Hughes just stood up and is now patrolling around his room. So let's get ready for this one. <laughs> yes. 
Is that a microphone in your pocket? Or are you excited about it? <laughs> yeah, no, I've just got to get a bit more comfortable here. Um, no. Um, so, super time is not going to ever work no. as a concept, right? Because rugby at its core, you, it's, it's when everything's on the line, teams get very risk averse. And it's not actually unique to rugby. If you watch NRL Golden Point, um, teams get very um, conservative in that too. They, they, they all of a sudden, it's just one out, one out, one out. And then you either kick it into the corner or you have a shot at drop goal. There's no real ambition because the, the risk of dropping the ball and turning it over is too high. Same in, in exactly the same rugby, except it's magnified because you can turn the ball over at any phase. You don't have the protection mm. that you do in league with your six tackles. So teams, regardless of whether you say, well, you can't win it with a penalty goals are off the table or it's first try wins or whatever variation you want to make, teams are still going to just have a complete aversion to turn over ball. So they're going to kick it to the other half. And it's just going to be aerial ping pong whole way until someone makes a mistake and it doesn't matter what what you put in place to prevent that there's just i I really don't think there's much way of doing it the only way the only idea i've heard that i think helped is will mcdougall um braveheart on on, in the forum and on twitter he's um the oracle of these things generally but is that you say that you bank the two the two points the two competition points and essentially you play for a third so the, you, you have nothing to lose in the sense that, that um, a, a draw is actually a worse result for both teams like that and, and like what happened on, on Friday night. Um, in the end, you would have teams playing, playing out, you know, throwing the ball around in the last five minutes of that because they know, hey, well, we're gonna, we've, we've, we've got the two points. We're going to walk away with two points if this ends in a draw anyway, so let's, let's throw the ball around. And, and, yeah, you might drop it and the other team might score, but... You know, in a, in a comp like this where you're not competing for a massive trophy, well, what does it really matter? Um, because as it stands, if you, if, you, if you tinker with anything other than that and you make it, you know, the difference between winning and losing all hinges on this 10 minutes, then of course teams are going to completely go into, you know, prevention mode and say, well, we'll rather walk away with a draw, a, a completely, you know, a complete shit show of the last 10 minutes, but we'll have our two points than potentially risk the four you know, risk their two points going for the four. Um, I think that's, I think that's, that's a, a I don't think there's a way of changing that's a great. I, yeah, I don't. I must have missed that, but will I like that? There, I'm with you, and you only have to look at every rugby world cup grand final ever to yeah. realise the impact of that sort of you know um, death by full time sort of thing, extra time. They're all dire, um, and it just all comes back to who wins. Um, that will proposal is quite good. You know, what is ball and play in a standard rugby match about? 35 minutes or something like that. You break that down into 10 minutes of extra time. It means you're getting oh, maybe four minutes of extra time of what two and a half minutes was kicking. And maybe there was a, a minute of scrums. It was just, it was hard. So I'm with you here. It'd be interesting. I think most people recognise um, it, it, it didn't pan out to be expected. And it might be one that just quickly, easily gets erased after the competition finishes. Um, from my perspective, Matt, you know, you make a good point about the kicking. I think, um, you know, it's there to hopefully drop the wingers back and open up some play, but maybe it creates a bit more tactical thinking from a kicking perspective. I think Australian rugby players in general have been criticised for being fairly dire kickers, not much thought about it. Just, you know, let's just kick it downfield and see what happens type thing. Um, but, you know, the, we, we've seen some really targeted kicks and, you know, both games involve, involving the Tars this season 
I reckon have been turned around on the back of 50-20s um, or the other way around. You know, the first game, the Reds got two crackers away. Tate McDermott are completely against the run of play. And I think Bryce Hegarty, and they really turned the game around. And then Carmichael Hunt obviously came on uh, versus the force and um, ripped a couple of absolute crackers. And they really sort of built that momentum and, and, um, and territory. Um, the other one is obviously the, the goal line dropout. That's probably the most different, most significant. Still takes a little bit of getting used to. I'm not entirely convinced. I'm interested by Jack Maddox's approach. He's, he never wants the dropout. He seems he likes to counter attack from deep and 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 kick it deep. You know, I guess he, he's trying to get the ball out of play um, to get a little bit more structure back into, even if it's on defence. Um, He'll daily run into the 22 and try to kick it out. But, yeah, that's what I'm a bit unsure about. Maybe just because Queensland got a dominant scrum and I want more five-metre scrums. Um, but, yeah, overall, haven't seen it. I wouldn't mind if someone does the uh, goes for a red card sometime soon just so we can see the impact of that one as well. But uh, I think it's pretty unlikely. But probably a red, yeah, well, given that. But have a yellow card. Lucky Swinton, Lucky Swinton or Taniella Tupou. Taniella Tupou, yeah, exactly uh, right. <laughs> exactly right. Would you... That'd be the favourites, no doubt. Um, all right, guys. Uh, next one. Okay, commentating. So, um, Hugh can lead us off with this one. He had a, uh, again, I recommend you go to the site. It's a bit of a story of the moment in terms of uh, a lot of complaints about the commentators. Hugh, give us a bit of a brace of the article. And then I guess the question is, what do we want from a commentator? How do we want our commentators to sound, be, um, any of the ideas that we want? Well, yeah, thanks, Reg. Well, I put an article up today, which has sort of been bubbling around in my mind for a little bit of time and I suppose crystallised in, in a petition that I saw to remove Phil Kearns from the commentary, um, which has been, yeah, going around online. And, and, you know, I thought, well, that's, that's all well and good, but it's not really the problem. And, and it also um, crystallised a little bit when I was watching the Waratahs game um, with my wife and she said to me, um, why do we have to know the school that every player went to? Why is the commentator saying everyone's school? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I suppose it's, you know, it's, it's not really a relevant fact, is it? You know, it's, it's, I suppose it's nice to know for some people, but it's, it's anyway, and, and, and from that, you know, actually focusing on the commentary a bit and realising just how boring it is and how I think we've just been lulled into this sort of sense of, of, complacency I suppose and and by the commentary crew and obviously we've had layoffs this year and we've seen guys like Sean Maloney and Nick McArdle and, and Drew Mitchell and Steve Hoyles, uh, Lou Ransom, Nat Ioannidis and stuff that they've all gone and we've been left with this skeleton staff of you know what I think Fox seem to consider their A team it's it's Clarkie and George Gregan and Tim Horan and Phil Kearns and, and Rod Kafer and you know you, you you break down elements of it and it just seems like they put no effort in at all, no homework in at all. And, and you, you, when you start breaking it down, like I was trying to do, uh, that the force Waratahs, just the games this weekend, you just notice so much that maybe just I've allowed to wash over me in time. But it's just things like mispronunciations or getting basic... You know, George Regan was calling James Ram John Ram, who's a golfer from Spain. Um, and, you know, just the detail that they choose to give you about all of the players, um, all these force guys who I had no idea about. And from listening to the commentary, the commentators had no idea about them either, which is just, you know, you think, oh, well, I suppose we've allowed, we've just let ourselves accept that. But these guys do this for a job, 
you know, they, all they've got is a week to prepare and do a cursory Google search on Kevin Ferris, you know, do one search and scan the forum and you'll pick up more detail than what these guys have. Clarky just reads the media guide. All you hear is their age and where they went to school and maybe what club they play for. That's all you get. And then, you know, it's, it's not only that, but it's the analysis has gone completely away. You know, you don't see Cape's chalkboard anymore. Um, you know, you don't see any type of attempt to break down the game or make it interesting for people, make it accessible to people starting out. Um, there's no real explanation of moves and, and tactics, um, uh, you know, other than the, the, the glaring obvious that a team might be kicking a lot or might be running it up the middle a lot. And the, the worst one for me is just the complete lack of enthusiasm any of them have anymore. You know, it's just, they're just going through the motions. You know, they just turn up. It just, it does get, have a feel that they turn up Clarky and Gregan and, and Kaif and, Oh, okay, who, who have we got tonight? Oh, okay, Task Force. Okay, well, let's go. You know, let's roll through. And and in all of these, you know, relatively exciting games with good pieces of play, that they barely get above a monotone and it, and it rubs off. And the point that I was trying to make in the article is you, you, we, we laugh about it and think, oh, we, we could all do a better job and our current is rubbish and all of this stuff. And, and I think there's a tendency to think it's quite harmless, but I actually think the more you think about it, it, it is really harmful. Um, it, it, it prevents new new people from enjoying our game and being excited by it and being sort of in, having that you know sense of uh, enjoyment and fulfilment from the game being being transferred to them. There's there's no you know, effort to educate people. We don't come away knowing more about the game. It's just you know no wonder so many people in our game talk it down or or, or are deflated by a game or or come away from it less than fulfilled because. The commentators themselves are clearly less than fulfilled. They're clearly deflated by it all. They just don't care. And I think there's no, you know, that rubs off on our, on, on our psyche and, our, and the rugby, rugby public. And, and it just, I don't know, it's just we deserve better, you know. Fox Sports might, might be, you know, committing any number of sins, but it doesn't prevent Greg Clark from doing a little bit of homework. It doesn't prevent George Gregan from learning how to pronounce his names or getting them right. Like, it, it, it's it's very basic stuff that they the, they themselves could be doing, but they're clearly not. And that was that was what my article made the point today. It's, it seems to have touched a nerve too, because I've had a lot of people reach out to me saying they agree with it, and certainly no one attempting to stick up for the Fox commentators. No one saying that they think they do a good job. So I think I think the uh, I think the mods on my side, Reg. Yeah, yeah there are. So the, the only other comments I heard, not so much contrary that put up a dispute was it's hard to get excited about a dire product, but which I, I can understand, but there is still your point about the Jack Maddox piece of play in the article was, was very well made. Um, the other point that I thought was, was very good was, you know, Hoare and um, these commentators all are, um, have other jobs, other, you know, full-time jobs. This is a hobby for them. It's on the side. So you don't get, I mean, all you have to do is follow some of these UK commentators on Twitter and see the amount of research and notes and preparation they do for their gigs. Um, and it's clear that's not happening. And let me say this, mispronunciation, how ironic was that? <laughs> mispronunciation of players' names will not be tolerated. <laughs> Matt, can yeah. I throw you under the bus and say, is this another Fox ploy to devalue the game of rugby and the broadcast? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it can look like that, can't it? I, I, I also wonder... Just you know how much money is washing around over there. Um, anyway, I mean they've made some pretty big cuts themselves. Um, I don't think it's a great business model at the moment. I think they're suffering as much as anybody else. Sorry. So 
that's in answer to is it a ploy to do whatever. Also, I guess you would think that it's probably not in their interests for everybody as they there's not a long term deal and there's another negotiation that's either happening now or about to start to happen that you wouldn't want to want a runaway product, would you? You'd mm. you know you'd want that little product um, you know like an abused partner in the cupboard. <laughs> Um, you know, you know, kind of locked away. And so, yeah, there's probably not a lot in it for them together with, I would imagine, a balance sheet that's pretty hurting to put a whole lot of money into it. Now, that's, and you're not even saying theoretically money, you're just sort of saying effort. But I think these things do take that though, right? My thing is, put all these things to one side, I just feel that that, I don't know, that Fox Sports vision of rugby has been frozen since about 2007 probably earlier like you know you, you, you and you look at the people that they've they've had in there i mean even the younger crop of players like you know the drew mitchells and and hoylesy i mean you know that in terms of player stock they're long in the tooth now anyway really in terms of what's really fresh and what's really current if i think about somebody who's you know nick's age you know, who does he recognize and, you know, empathize with and would want to hear from? And those like the, you know, if we, if we accept that this isn't a dying sport, but this is one that's actually growing and continuing on. So you need that young blood coming through and who are they looking to? Like, you know, surely it's not Kearns and Gregan and Horan. I mean, this is, you know, th- those guys are now in sort of golden oldies and beyond phase, right? So that's the bit that stuck with me. And, that, and it's been like that for a while. You know, there hasn't really been a desire to evolve this and to find new voices and ways of looking at things. It's been, you know, what's a tried and true, uh, trusted, rusted on magazine show format? What's, you know, and, and we do the same thing each time for the way that we approach um, the games versus, I mean, this is the bit that I could never been able to get my head around. And I think like the fact that a site like Greening God Rugby can even survive or be, you know, for as long as we had on the smell of an oily rag and whatever else, it's just because there's a massive gap. Is that, that, you know, no one's been doing, you know, the thing, we've got a supremely complex, intricate game. It is the chess of Mm. contact sports. So what do you do? You play to its strengths and you analyze the crap out of it because there's so much going on that's confusing and everything else. It's why we all watch it. It's why we're all addicted to it. It's why we don't watch league or anything else exactly. because it's, it's boring compared to the game we love. Yeah. Why you don't lead, lead into that, I never, I've never understood. And so therefore, if there's anything you're going to do, and I don't tend to think that that's going to be really expensive talent either i mean go get an analyst from one of the teams you Mm. know to take us through or an ex-coach well what's the bloody what the cricket episode has done with what's his name copeland he's still playing and yeah yeah, reinvigorated what they were doing last year i guess it was a new channel had to do it but you know i've followed rugby since i was five probably haven't understood it that long but watching squidge rugby and the stuff he comes up all our own dead ball area i I don't see that stuff. It blows my mind. Um, so to be able to understand that, but, you know, like you say, um, again, you said it so well, like Kafer describes the force as being a smart and innovative attacking team. Why? What are they doing that's smart and innovative? Explain it to us in some capacity. Um, it's just lacking. Yeah. yeah, and, and you know, I don't want this to be a shot at some of the people that work behind the scenes at Fox. I know those guys yeah. do, do good work there. It, it is genuinely just a shot at those particular on-screen talent because I think, you know, there's there's money factors. And but these are guys that signed, like George Gregan signed, and Phil Penn signed a letter to remove Raylene Castle from yeah. the game and said that we need to support the game and grow it. Well, 
you know, you two blokes have got the microphone there and it's time to, time to show it, you know, what's, what do you, this is the way that you can influence so many people with a love of the game and some enthusiasm and George Gregan just doesn't do one iota of work for this. I guarantee you, you know, George, you know, he, he referred to in the pregame, you know, well, the last time these two teams, I seem to remember the Western Force got up and I think I was there. I was like, oh, good, George. No mention of the three years in between. It's just that, oh, I think I, think I was there last time and uh, I think the Force got up, so they'll be fired up, you know. I do, but, and uh, we thought, yeah, Timmy Horan wrote a piece in Fox Sports that I think Rugby Australia covered in, as a preview to Super Rugby and named his Wallaby Bolter for every team. And for the force, he named Henry Tarford, who's got 12 caps for Samoa. He was at the last World Cup. He was one of their best players. I mean, it was just, I mean, that was a year ago, less than a year ago. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you're right. There's... It's 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 laziness. It's like one of our podcasts. Well, <laughs> it's it's it funny, yeah. It's, it's like it's, my prep. It's funny, but you, you see, like Buzz, why they let Sean Maloney go? You know, uh, yeah. That's why I don't understand. If you're cutting costs, surely Sean Maloney's cheaper than Greg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Surely Steve Hoyles is cheaper than Phil Perns. Like it, it just, they've made a conscious decision to go with these guys. It's not like we've got these guys are, I don't know, the the wet behind the ears, or there's there's some issue there that we're we, you know. I don't know. There's, it, it, it boggles the mind some of the decisions they've made, and and so you've got Clarkie, who I think we've, I, I generally think is phoning it in. I think he's yeah. been phoning in for a few years now. You know, I don't even think it's the broadcast negotiator, whatever it is. I, he just reads the media guide. You know, where he went to school, how old he is, where he plays his club. Well, the, the, the fact that I can't get over is the fact that the guy who wanted and was knocking on the door and was the key agitator for us losing the last CEO. Um, and wanted to be the next CEO is still commentating. Like yes. Phil Kearns, I, it still just blows my mind. I can't, it's like I'm trying to find parallels for that in any other sporting context and, and televisual code context and I can't get my head around it. I'm just like, oh my God, is, it, is there seriously only 10 people in the world of rugby that, you know, that, could, you know, that it, we have the same people turning hey, up, both commentating to us and wanting to run the bloody thing? I mean, it's like surely there are more. And commentates badly, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. he, he, it actually could enhance his his CEO credentials if he was a genius at analysing the game. Yeah, yeah. Players' backstory, had a, <laughs> you know, was talking about how he how he every weekend he's down watching the games on the side, whatever it is. Like <laughs> he's just he's, he plays this role of this sort of lager lout up the back of the commentary box heckling the referee. It's just, but it's but so yeah, and, and and you know completely biased to the Waratahs. That's, yes. that's going to get your votes from the other states. You know, <laughs> you know imagine uh, him telling QAU I should be doing this or South Australia. Or, no, thanks, yeah. Phil. Yeah. Um, the full circle where we started, this idea that well, there's some petition to remove from friends, that somehow we'll all, it'll all get better after that. I, I think, I think it's a, the problem's deeper than that. I think, I think they all, they just need to give us some presentation, give us some enthusiasm. I don't, they don't listen to this, they don't read this stuff. You know, they live in an alternate world because, of course, they don't really read sites like Green Bell Rugby. They don't probably read many rugby sites at all because they just turn up to the game, they see the two teams that are playing, and they'll yeah. say, oh, the Brumbies have got a good rolling ball. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. the Reds have got some young blokes and they'll be looking to chalk up a win. Great, you know. Well, one of the reasons I was looking forward to there being potentially a change in... Yeah. 
the broadcasting structure and everything was that you felt, oh, thank God, someone's going to have to blow it up and start again. So Optus was going to have to find a way of doing it differently, for example, if they did that and and maybe a broadcast partner. And that's actually what I was, one of the things I was really looking forward to Mm. versus this going back to, ah, actually you're going to get what you had before, but light, like a light Mm. version of it, which is basically where we're at. So and that happened yeah. in the cricket and it was fantastic. And it reinvigorated, you know, when yeah. BBL first went to 10, you know, they got Punter and, and Gilchrist and those guys were awesome at analysis. And then when whoever was it, 10 yeah. or seven, seven got the cricket seven, last. Yeah, it was a real, it's been fantastic. Yeah, they could really do with it. Yeah. I, I need to tell you one commentary story. So um, there's been a bit of jokes online about us, the Grand Gold Rugby crew taking out commentary. I was lucky enough to do it a couple of times for the Reds, uh, some of their pre-season trials when they first started live streaming. I think once while I was working at Queensland Rugby, after that, I'd sort of gone on to another job, but they asked me to come back and I, I did a Reds versus Rebels game, which was fine, but then they asked me to do a Reds versus Crusaders. So it was my first time um, commentating a New Zealand team. Um, and you know my challenges with pronunciation. And <laughs> I was shitting myself about the team list. So I, partic- I contacted, reached out to the Crusaders media manager and said, do you have a team list? And better yet, do you have one that's got phonetic pronunciation? <laughs> and she said, oh, look, once the team list comes out, I'll let you know. And I was petrified. I was like, oh my God, Tua Devake and all these sorts of guys. They picked the most Caucasian team that has ever been picked <laughs> in New Zealand rugby history. There was not a single... Islander amongst it from one to 30. It was incredible. I was, I was in my element. There was Barkers and Smiths and Carters and all that sort of stuff. Well, easy, you're easy in, night. You and Riyadh still got a good run out. <laughs> uh, well, well, it is the crusade. Some people would say that you're always safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, all right, guys, that's, that should pretty much wrap us. I think we somehow got to five questions somewhere in there. Um, but good to see you all, guys. It was yeah. uh, a, a, just a bit of a change in setting for us. Um, yeah. we've got, I think we've got some good games of rugby this weekend. Like I said, Friday night, the Reds will host the Force at Suncorp Stadium and then the Waratahs host the Brumbies on um, Saturday night. So the Rebels shout out to, to, I just went and looked at it. I might actually end up at that Waratahs game because it's an aimed at stadium uh, with the new West Connect. It actually takes only about 25 minutes to get there, which in Sydney time is fantastic. Tickets are $35. Now, they, I think it's a bit of limited seating and it's all distance and, and stuff, but... Um, Thirty-five bucks for 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 a seat yeah, for yeah. a Waratahs Brumbies game. That'll be a cracking game. game. Yeah. Oh, there'll be plenty of distance at ANZ. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Apparently, there are, apparently there are herds of stray cats living in ANZ Stadium, <laughs> according to one AFL pundit I read this week. So I'll be looking to see if that's actually true. That's Excellent. hilarious. I was just worried that might be one of your new hotspots down there. Um, COVID hotspot. <laughs> Everything's good up here in Queensland, guys. We shut the borders today. We're not even letting New South Wales license plates in anymore. So we couldn't be happier up here in Queensland. Um, all right, lads, you and Matt, thanks for your time and to Nick in the booth. And um, it was good to catch up and talk some rugby. Um, and to all our listeners, thanks for listening again. Uh, we'll be back soon enough, particularly as the Reds keep on winning. And uh, we'll catch you soon. <laughs> Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has De Beer De Beer.
Oh, your microphone is muted. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so smooth. Yeah, no, you, you're, you're talking into th- can't hear a thing, mate. Try lying down on your bed. 